Beamer Ball, much like South Carolina's record this fall, has not been very good, which means we need to address a harsh truth regarding Shane Beamer's first two years here at South Carolina. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKDOWNCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. In 2023, there have been a plethora of areas on South Carolina's football team that has not performed good enough so far this season. It's part of the reason why South Carolina currently sits at 2-5 and five and are now staring down the legitimate possibility that they might not be even going to a bowl game in 2023. But beyond all the issues the Gamecocks have had defensively this fall, We've also seen how much Shane Beamer's Beamer Ball identity for this football team has taken a step back. And therefore, we're really starting to see how Beamer Ball has matched some clear issues for this team the past couple of years. Before I really get into this conversation, I want to play an old clip from a show that I did back on July 11th talking about Beamer Ball and why South Carolina needed to evolve and adapt and in essence start to create an identity on offense or defense outside of the Beamer Ball identity that Shane Beamer brought to Columbia. It has played a pivotal role in helping Shane Beamer and his staff lay the foundation for the future of this program. There is no denying that. However, In my opinion, beginning this year, South Carolina has got to start evolving beyond having Beamer Ball as the sole identity of this football program. South Carolina has got to have something beyond a unit that typically accounts for 5-12% to of the snaps played in a game. Don't get me wrong, Kai Kroger, Mitch Jeter, all these guys that have been a big part of these special teams units, they have all meant something in a lot of games for South Carolina, but you're not going to get that every single week. And it's certainly not correct thinking, in my opinion, to think that that is going to get you to Atlanta, that it's going to get you to the college football playoff by itself. You cannot think that that is going to help you each and every week. That is really the main part that I want you all to take away from that clip and soundbite that I just played. Because we have to be honest, when we look back, especially at the 2022 season, Beamer Ball won South Carolina a lot of football games. And the old cliche when it comes to college football is that when you're winning games, you know, you kind of tend to sweep certain things under the rug. 
And looking back, we probably should have been a lot more concerned about the possibility that when Beamer Ball eventually did take a step back, that this program itself would also, at the same time, be taking a noticeable step back on the football field. So let's break this down now in terms of the rankings for both special teams and also turnovers forced on defense, starting off with special teams. In 2021, South Carolina ranked 18th in the country as far as special teams efficiency was concerned. In 2022, the Gamecocks skyrocketed all the way to number one in the country. They were by far the best special teams unit in the entire country this past fall. South Carolina won games against Georgia State and Texas A&M and Kentucky largely because of Beamer Ball. Beamer Ball also helped South Carolina defeat their arch rivals in the Clemson Tigers at the end of the regular season. And if it weren't for Beamer Ball, South Carolina probably wouldn't have remained as competitive with Notre Dame as they were at the end of that football game, losing by just one touchdown once the clock hit triple zeros. Currently, in the 2023 football season, South Carolina ranks 40th nationally in terms of overall special teams efficiency. Now, while that is a decent drop-off, obviously, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, you couldn't expect this special teams unit to totally replicate what they did last fall. And besides, 40th does not sound all that bad. Until I throw you this statistic. South Carolina currently has the third worst special teams efficiency in the SEC. Third worst. So, special teams, clearly not a bad unit, but they're also not great or elite this year. This is, quite frankly, right now, an above-average unit for this football team. Now, another part of Beamer Ball, the identity that encompasses Beamer Ball, is turnovers forced. Because Beamer Ball is all about having a chance to maybe score in each facet of the game. Defensively, that means creating turnovers. That is something that Shane Beamer has discussed a lot when it comes to how he wants his defense to play on the football field ever since he's arrived in Columbia. In my personal opinion, I think that he almost overemphasizes turnovers, but that's a whole different discussion. To get back to turnovers forced and their ranking, in Shane Beamer's first two years here in Columbia, South Carolina ranked either first or second in the SEC in turnovers forced on defense. Currently, in the 2023 football season, South Carolina is tied for 104th nationally in turnovers forced and have the second worst mark in the entire SEC. They have forced only seven turnovers this fall. So, the question that I want to ask all of you, now that I've given you all of these statistics regarding special teams and turnovers forced, is that if neither of these areas are elite the past couple years, if let's say the Gamecocks were average or above average in both of these categories in 2021 and 2022, how many more losses would Shane Beamer have currently on his resume? Because if we're being truthful about this entire topic, he would probably have a couple more if it weren't for special teams and turnovers forced. Now, obviously... Shane Beamer needed Beamer Ball as a part of his 
identity, as a part of building the foundation for this football program, and a team that the past couple years on paper just doesn't have enough talent to compete with the very best in this conference on a week-in and week-out basis. I fully acknowledge that. I acknowledged that back on the show that I just alluded to earlier on July 11th when I dove into this conversation. But what the 2023 season has shown is that South Carolina desperately has got to find other ways outside of Beamer Ball to win football games. Because Beamer Ball, having taken a step back, has clearly hurt this team a great deal on the field this fall. Offensively, you're starting to see some explosivity for the first time in several years on that side of the ball. Defensively, as we've discussed plenty of times now in recent weeks, is a whole different story and for a whole different show. So, Beaver Ball masked a lot of issues the past couple of years. And the harsh truth about Beaver Ball is as great as it is, It cannot continue to be the sole identity of this football team. Shane Beamer and this staff, whether it's through continuous development on offense or scrapping certain things on defense and trying to use a different scheme, maybe having a different voice in that room, they have got to change some things and they have got to continue to work on having the offense or defense match the pride and intensity that they use on special teams specifically. You have to do that. Otherwise, Your progress will become stagnant, and this program will eventually start to have a bit of a downturn, despite all the good things you're doing in recruiting and other areas as well. Now, I just brought up recruiting a second ago, and I want to look at the 2024 roster. I want to look ahead at what this team could have this next season, and therefore use that to also get an idea of what South Carolina might need to do in the transfer portal once this football season has concluded. And we're going to dive into that conversation, starting with the offensive side of the ball, in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Now it is time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like South Carolina's defense in the second half against the Missouri Tigers, Athletic Brewing has been tackling their non-alcoholic beer competitors thanks to their great-tasting non-alcoholic brews. Athletic Brewing Company's brews are great-tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions, and the best part is when you have their non-alcoholic brews, you never have hangovers. South Carolina's defense in the second half against Missouri gave up just 136 yards total offense and 10 points. Say what you want about the first half defense. Defense in the second half gave this team a chance to get back into this football game and potentially win it at the end. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. 
based on what South Carolina is going to have coming back next year, they will have to hit the portal hard at certain positions on the offensive side of the ball, specifically certain offensive skill positions. So let's talk about the kind of talent South Carolina is going to have at each offensive position group and whether or not they need to hit the portal at said position group. Starting off with quarterback. The Gamecocks are going to lose Spencer Rattler after this season. I think that in everybody's mind, that is for sure a foregone conclusion. Assuming that no one enters the transfer portal, the Gamecocks are going to have four four-star players in their quarterback room in 2024. And so therefore, I think that means if you're this coaching staff, you can leave this position group alone. You do not need to go out there and get another quarterback and add them to this roster, potentially upset the chemistry or the dynamics of that quarterback room. You are set for the future at that position, in my opinion, with guys like Norris Sellers now being in this program for a year. Luke Doty, a veteran quarterback, which is important to have at this kind of position in the SEC. A guy like Dante Reno coming in from the 2024 class. I think you are good at this position as long as you don't lose other guys to the portal. Moving on to running back. This position group on paper is going to have only one consensus four-star prospect from the 2023 class in this case in Dontavius Braswell. In my opinion, though, when it comes to the transfer portal, I think it's going to be completely up to this staff on how they want to attack this position group. You have Mario Anderson Jr. who has emerged as a legitimate starting tailback in this conference for you over the past several weeks. He's proven that he can carry the load back there. He has gotten progressively better in all areas of his game for the most part since he really took that spot starting with the Mississippi State game back in week four. Juju McDowell, again, never going to be an every down back, but still can provide some valuable traits to that position group. Dontavious Braswell, a speedster back there, will now be in his second year in that room. And you're also going to add Matthew Fuller from the 2024 class. Matthew Fuller, in my opinion, is going to basically be a younger version of a Mario Anderson Jr. Maybe even a faster version of Mario Anderson Jr. A guy that's a little bit shorter, but also very stocky and compact with his frame. And uh, a guy that's going to be built coming into this um, first year of college. He is definitely not going to be your typical true freshman when it comes to the size that he has already accumulated and the kind of build that he has. I think that with this group, again, it all depends on what the staff is feeling. If Daniel Hill does not commit to South Carolina by the end of this cycle, then I would say they would be totally fair for them to go out there and get another guy that can help out in this room. Otherwise, I actually kind of like the makeup of this group, even if Daniel Hill does not commit. It'd be fantastic if he were to join this class. But if he doesn't, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world. I think you got enough pieces there to where you can at least feel somewhat more comfortable this next season compared to probably how you felt back in the spring here in 2023. Wide receiver. This is going to be a very, very important position to hit in the portal this offseason. Right now, you got one five-star coming back in Nicholas Harper, and you would have two four-stars on the roster for 2024 in Maisie O'Bennett and Landon Sampson. In my opinion, this coaching staff needs to get two or three wideouts in the transfer portal this offseason. And at least one of those guys has got to be a surefire SEC starter. If you run through this position group quickly, 
You've got Nicholas Harbour coming back. I don't think he's going to be ready to be a starter this next year. we got to remember, he's going to be spending the offseason with the track and field team here at South Carolina. So he's not going to have all the winter workouts maybe that the football team has, and he might not be going through spring practice like his teammates will be doing in April and March. So he's probably not going to develop quite as much as maybe some fans would expect this next offseason. He's still got some work he's got to do. He's getting better but I still think that he's kind of a rotational piece, maybe a fringe starter for next season. Same deal with Omega Blake. He's got to continue to come on and get more consistent on the field. Maisie Open, in my opinion, is a guy that can literally come in here and be a starter from day one. I really like his skill set. I like what he brings to the football field. I like the attitude that he has. And I really don't think there's a weakness in his game. I think Maisie Open is going to come here and literally immediately take one of those spots at that wide receiver position. So you've got those three guys, and heck, let's say best case scenario, maybe Juice Wells decides to come back, because right now it might be more of a coin flip than it was heading into the season because of all the time he's missed with the injury that he's had, and plus, this wide receiver class for this upcoming NFL draft is going to be deep, and Juice Wells is going to admittedly be hurt by missing all that time and having all these other guys kind of leapfrog him, including his own teammate Xavier Leggett. So maybe he does return. Best case, then, you got four guys maybe out of six in a rotation that you might have coming back. That's where I get two to three. If Juice Wells doesn't come back, you've got to get three. If he does, great. You got your number one, but then behind him, you got a bunch of unproven commodities. You need to get two guys at least at this spot. Tight end, you got one four-star coming back. And you've got Joshua Simon also returning. In my opinion, you need to get a complimentary piece for Joshua Simon. Michael Smith, currently in this class, I have to admit, though, seeing that he's taken some visits to other schools, I would not feel comfortable about that commitment right now. I'm just going to say that. Got no information otherwise to say that maybe he's going to decommit. But just keep an eye on that recruitment because, um, who knows? Smith might not end up sticking around in this class. We will see how all that pans out. Either way, you slice it, though. I think that Shane Beamer, Dow Loggins, and this offensive coaching staff, they need to get another tight end to help offset the loss of Trey Knox after this season is over. Offensive line, y'all might be a bit surprised by this. South Carolina's going to have four four-stars on this roster heading into next year. But when I count up the guys that are going to be here and the guys that are coming back, again, not counting any transfer portal losses here, I think this offensive line is going to be way deeper this next year. When you count all the incoming freshmen and the guys they've lost this season that cannot play right now. Guys like a Ryan Brubaker, a Marquis Anderson, Jalen Nichols, who would be a starter for you right now. I think this offensive line legitimately might go 10 guys deep in terms of guys that you can feel comfortable going out there and playing in any sort of football game for you in this position room. So I actually don't think you have to hit the portal along the offensive line. Unless the right situation presents itself. Good offensive linemen are hard to come by. And it's hard to evaluate even with guys that have played at the collegiate level for a couple years. We've seen both the good and bad side of that. And I will leave it at that. Also, the best players along the offensive line, the transfer portal, all the big name programs in the country are all going after them. So it's not like you're going to have easy pickings of who you want out of that group in the portal if you choose to go after an offensive lineman. So for all those reasons, I think that quite frankly, you're fine standing pat 
along the offensive line. But I would understand it if the staff decided that they needed to go out there and get somebody, maybe even a center or an interior lineman to help out the young guys and give them a little bit more time to develop, maybe allow Vershawn Lee to go play a different position other than center, although I think he's been playing good there so far this year. You get my point. There's a couple different routes that this coaching staff can take with the offensive line as far as the portal's concerned this offseason. I would understand any direction that they take regarding that position group. So we will continue this talk in just a couple moments, moving over to the other side of the ball and talking about that defense. And with what I got to say about that side of the ball, you might be a bit surprised with what I say regarding maybe their needs in the transfer portal. We'll touch on that in just a couple of moments. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a daily fantasy sports app that is both easy and simple to use, then you need to check out Prize Picks today because you can cross multiple different sports, pick anywhere from two to six athletes, and all you gotta do is say whether or not they're going to go more than or less than their projected stat line for their upcoming game. So, for example, this Monday Night Football game between the 49ers and the Vikings later tonight, Kirk Cousins has a projected stat line of 238.5 passing yards, while Brock Purdy has a projected stat line of 235.5 passing yards. I think both those guys are going to throw for less than those projected stat lines because of the injuries the 49ers have and the fact that the 49ers' defense is really talk on solid. If you agree with me, or maybe you want to go look at some other sports, go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college and promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. We talked about the offensive side of the ball just a couple of minutes ago regarding the talent that they could have for this next year and where the staff needs to attack the portal. So now let's switch gears and talk about the defense. At the defensive end slash edge position south carolina in 2024 again as long as they do not have any portal losses they will have one five star in dylan stewart and four four stars at this position in my opinion the edge position also needs to be a position that this staff hits hard in terms of the quality of player that they bring in i think this staff needs to get an all sec caliber pass rusher in this room for the 2024 season I do not think it's necessarily all on the players regarding the lack of pass rush that we've seen from this group in the 2023 season. I think that you could definitely make the case that there has been maybe some coaching issues, both in terms of the overall system, maybe the play calling tendencies, and maybe even the coaching at their specific position. I think that there's a couple of areas that could be improved, but either way you look at it, the Gamecocks have got to get more out of this group. And with Dylan Stork coming in, he's still going to be a true freshman. He's still going to be playing his first ever year of college football in 2024. I don't think it is reasonable to expect him to have like a Jadavion Clowney type impact as soon as he steps on the football field. I think it would behoove this staff to get a stud at that spot that can take some of that pressure off of a guy like him and maybe off of guys like Brian Thomas Jr. or 
say, a Desmond Mayo Zulu or a Jatias Gear. Guys that, quite frankly, got to sort themselves out in terms of who are going to be those guys in the future for this team. Because you can't keep playing like two, three guys at each spot and just hope that, you know, they kind of file themselves out in terms of who the best guy is, second best, third best. You get my point. You can't afford to go through that two years in a row. So go into the portal, get one of the headline guys at this spot, a guy that can play in this league, and I think that you'll see your pass rush get automatically better just having one of those kind of players in that room. Defensive tackle. You'll have three four-stars plus a TJ Sanders returning for this football team in 2024. So that means that I do think as of right now, Tonka Hemingway would probably return for another season. He has a COVID season to use in his back pocket. And quite frankly, I think that he would need to use it right now because I don't think Tonka Hemingway for one reason or another has had the season that he probably would have envisioned coming into 2023. The one thing I think this coaching staff does need to do I think you've got to get a nose tackle type body at this position. You've got a guy in Nick Barrett that already kind of fills that type of role. The problem is looking at the roster, he's really the only one that you've got. And at the very least, the only guy you've got with that kind of build that you trust to go out there and consistently play in football games. I think you've got to get another guy like that behind him. Nick Barrett is also, by the way, a true junior, which I think a lot of people would be surprised by, but that is the case, which means he came here in 2021, which also means he's not a COVID year. So this next year, when he comes back, unless, you know, gosh forbid, there's an injury of some kind and he has to take a medical red shirt, it'll be Nick Barrett's last year here in Columbia. So you have to get somebody behind him that can maybe take over that spot if you're not going to get that in the recruiting class, or excuse me, in high school recruiting. And SAFCON, unfortunately for them, has swung and missed on several interior defensive line prospects in the 2024 cycle. So you got to get a nose tackle out of the portal in my eyes. Linebacker, you're going to have four four-stars here in 2024. In my opinion, again, you actually don't need to get a linebacker here unless the right situation presents itself. I know that there's some people out there that would like to see more out of this group. I'm included in that crowd. But I do believe that also having more depth there would be really beneficial for guys like Stone Bland and Debo Williams, who already play so many snaps in every football game, and a guy like Grayson Pup Howard, who right now... It's kind of like the third linebacker because Muhammad Kappa unfortunately went down with an injury in week one against North Carolina. And Bam Martin-Scott, I just don't think has been able to really find a groove in this season. So you need to get more bodies there. You're going to get that already through this current recruiting class that you have. So for that reason, unless you find the right guy, I don't think you need to go into the portal at linebacker. Cornerback, different story. I think that you need to get one or two outside corners out of the portal this offseason. You're going to have four four-stars here in the 2024 season. You are going to return a guy like O'Donnell Fortune. You're going to return, I think, a couple of nickel corners in Kawan Banks and Kenyon Nelson Jr. Marcel Style, I believe, could possibly return. He did not play at all in 2020, but neither did his football team that he was with at the time, I believe, in Georgia Military College or Academy. So I don't know if that counts as his COVID year, if it just counts as a regular redshirt year. I don't know what the case is there. If Marcel Style could come back, I think he would come back. But I don't know the eligibility situation there. 
Either way, I think that it would be good for this staff to get one or two outside corners that can compete and get snaps here at this spot. And then at safety, you got two four-stars here in 2024, along with Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith, who, for whatever reason, were not four-stars coming out of high school, uh, especially regarding Nick Emanwari. That was a massive miss by evaluators at that time. I think you can leave this position group alone. You have been recruiting at a very high level at this safety position. You've hit home run after home run, landing guys like Nick Emanwari, DQ Smith, Jalon Kilgore. Kevin Hunter is now basically going to be the next in line at this position. You don't need to go after anybody at safety in the transfer portal. You shouldn't have to. If you do, that's probably not a good sign in terms of guys maybe that decide to just shock everyone and walk out the door. I don't think that's going to happen at this spot, considering the ties that these guys have to this state. But you never know. Obviously, we're all stunned with what happened with some of the moves this past offseason. So with all that bearing in mind, I think South Carolina, without question, they're going to have to get some players in the portal on both sides of the ball. But I will say, you count up all of the blue chippers that I did at each position group on both sides of the ball, South Carolina is going to have I think two five-stars and 28 or 29 four-stars in total this next season. So the point is, in terms of the baseline talent, Shane and the staff, they are doing a good job overall. They are upgrading the talent on this roster. But there are certain holes that definitely have to be patched, and that is what the transfer portal is for. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson could probably take a note regarding that, but... Shane Beamer and his staff, no question, they're going to have to get a bunch of guys in the portal this offseason, and most importantly, to be quite frank, they can't miss on many guys. They got to have a lot more hits than misses, unlike this past offseason where it seemed like a couple of these guys that they did take, um, unfortunately, maybe were misses. So we'll see how all that plays out as the rest of this season and the offseason begins to get underway. But with all that being said, that does it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts about Beamer Ball taking a step back in 2023 and what it might have exposed regarding some of the issues that this team had the past couple of years? And also, what are your thoughts on the talent on paper this team will have for 2024? And what position groups do you think this staff needs to hit the hardest in the transfer portal once all that gets underway? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. Now be sure to catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.